Welcome to the Reader Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. Sitting down right beside me now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Anne O'Beffin. Anne, thank you so much for being here with me tonight. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. You've written a new children's book called Parables, Volume 1. So, Anne, can you tell me all about it? So this book is about stories that could help children understand basic spiritual principles and even moral principles, things like respect. Hmm. When my children were growing up, it was really hard to communicate to them what respect is. And so to do that, I had to come up with stories. And so it's really a book that helps children understand principles by simple stories. And what inspired you to write this? What gave you the idea to sit down and get started? So my children were the inspiration for this book. Mm. I have three children. They're now a little grown. I have a 15-year-old, 12-year-old, and a 9-year-old. And while, when they were like really young, like five and three and two, I was always wanting to communicate godly principles to them mm. and even just a life principles. And sometimes when I talk to them about respect and godliness and being important in the society, it was really hard for their young minds to grasp. Mm. You know, I would pray and say, Lord, what is the best way? And then I would really think about parables in the Bible. I believe it was an inspiration from God to just use stories to communicate those principles to them. And I noticed that whenever I did that, there's like a light bulb that just goes up mm. on their head. And then I'm like, okay, I think they're getting it. And, you know, like some other time when I asked them, did you understand what I taught you yesterday? It's so, they're so quick to respond yes mm. and to tell me what they learned because the stories resonated with them. Mm. I love that approach. And is this a book that took you a long time to write or did it come across quickly? No, it took really, it took almost two years. Mm. And this is because I did not intentionally, I didn't sit down to say I wanted to write a book. It was just the fact that I saw the impact that the stories made in the life of my children. Mm -hmm. And then I said, you know what, I'm going to try and put it in writing so other kids can benefit from it. Mm -hmm. And so I would start with one story and it would take me forever just because I wasn't really in that mindset of writing a book as an author, but just a mom who wanted to share an idea with all the ideas with all the children. And so it took me forever. But when I realized that it was really, I was stalling, and this book is still not out, I decided to really sit down and become serious with writing it. Well, so many people who are listening to us right now, Anne, are authors who are just starting out. So based on everything you learned along the way, can you give them any advice? Of course. I would say don't give up. It might take a while. 
but it will definitely come together when you're ready to put it out there. When you think of anything, just go ahead and write it down. Commit daily or maybe weekly to putting down something and working on the book. And when you do that, you are going to see the results very quickly. And the title is Parables, Volume 1. So I assume Volume 2 is on the way. Where are you with that? Of course, I have actually, I have multiple stories already just waiting to be written and published because I wanted, I really wanted this one to go out there and people to give me feedback and see the reaction of a lot of children with the first volume before I put out the second one. So yes, it's already in the works and I am not in a hurry to bring it out yet. Well, I know a lot of children and a lot of families are going to love this book. I encourage my listeners to go check it out. It's titled Parables, Volume 1. It's written by Anne Obeffen and is published by Christian Faith Publishing. And you can buy it anywhere, of course, like on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and your traditional brick-and-mortar stores. And thank you so much for coming on the show, telling me about parables and everything. I hope we can do this again sometime soon. Thank you. I hope so, too. Thank you for having me. The Otherworld Saga, Chains of Uncertainty. That's the new book. It just hit stores. It's written by M.S.A. Wilson. And the author, Matthew, is here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. We're going to talk all about this book. Matthew, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you here. Matthew, can you tell me what readers can expect when they open up the Otherworld Saga, Chains of Uncertainty? The book is about a young female protagonist named Quincy Harris, and the book itself, like the first few chapters, is set on the first day of the Blitz during September 7th, 1940. Hmm. And this significant event plays a larger role in pushing the events of the uh, story forward. And the book itself is about 488 pages long. But the rapid pacing of the book allows the reader to enjoy the events of the plot to unfold as they happen without revealing what will occur for Quincy next or her friends who end up accompanying her on her journey on another planet. The unpredictability of the dangers she faces helps push past the constraints that might come with historical fiction, but also employs the feel of a fantasy adventure, which is heavily influenced by science fiction. Matthew, would you say that fans of sci-fi and fantasy then would be the ones who are really into this? Well, yeah, but also I feel like it would be directed towards preteens, teenagers, and young adults. Hmm. Matthew, you got to tell me, this is quite a story. How'd you come up with the idea? Well, when I was writing the book, it took me about two years and seven months. And at the time, I was also working as a security guard and uh, attending a vocational medical program. And I was also attending an online program to earn my bachelor's degree in English. I also rewrote the manuscript about seven times and then proofreaded it in that time period as well. But What led to me writing it was I really enjoyed reading fantasy and science fiction novels when I was a teenager, but also like with my own personal experiences, like some of the environments and settings in the story 
are unique, which may relate to my previous travels as a Boy Scout when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. Like I went to several national parks and hiked to different natural sites, which helped increase my own imagination when reading sci-fi and fantasy novels. So that unique interest I had kind of inspired me to write my own science fiction story as well. Mm-hmm. Is this the first time you've written or been published? Yeah, it's my first time publishing a novel. I felt like what I had with Fulton Books was suitable for my inexperience in publishing my first book. You got to tell me about the moment you got to hold your book for the first time, Matthew, when it came in. What was it like for you? It was actually really cool to see Mm -hmm. something that I wrote and to hold it in my hands is very humbling for me because I didn't think I would ever really be able to do something like that, you know? Yeah. Well, Matthew, I'm sure you learned an awful lot writing a book for the first time and going through that publishing process for the first time. So what advice would you have now for authors who are just starting out with things? Well, the details for publishing a book mainly go into how large of a budget you have and the terms of the publishing agreement you might have to hash out with a publishing company, which will determine how long it takes for a book to get published. Mm as well as like being able to know whether or not you'll hold on to the copyright of your story mm. or if the publishing company itself retains the copyright and only reserves the right to sell and distribute the book for you. It would probably be within their best interest to hold on to the copyrights of their story. So once the contract with their current publishing company expires, let's like, Let's say after a year or two, they can still publish that story with a new company if that need should arise. That's really important. That's great advice, Matthew. Yeah. I know a lot of my listeners are really going to be into this book. It's titled The Otherworld Saga, Chains of Uncertainty. It's written by M.S.A. Wilson. It's published by Fulton Books, and you can get it everywhere. Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Matthew, thank you again for coming on the show and telling me about your work. I had a good time talking tonight. Yes, thank you. This book is a psychological thriller with a mix of supernatural and empowering faith. It's called Luke 1019, Duty Calls. It's written by J.A. Segura, and the author, Judith, is sitting here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. We're going to talk all about the book. Judith, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the show. Why, thank you, Corey. It's an honor and a privilege to be on your show. I'm really happy to have you here. So, Judith, can you tell me all about what goes down in Luke 1019, Duty Calls? Well, you know, like the opening, it's a psychological thriller. It's got supernatural and empowering faith. It's a gripping story. It's of intrigue, dangerous enemies, and a determined FBI agent. She's on a path of a lifelong mystery. I believe the readers are just going to race to see what awaits her on an isolated mountaintop. It's the second installment to my trilogy. And I won't get into the the first installment, which is out there also called Luke 1019. But this is just a continuation of the story. There's so much, you know, when people ask me what it's about, it's so hard to generalize and talk about certain things because I want them to pick it up and find out themselves. Absolutely. Sure sounds exciting, Judith. Where'd you get the idea for this story? You know, I know it kind of sounds funny, but I don't want it to sound too spiritual. But, you know, 
It's just God has always been my guide. I mean, the actual original story, Luke ten nineteen, that goes back way back with my aunt who was adopted. And her mother was a Spanish dancer that came to America. So that's where it started. That was like, probably I heard that 35 years ago. So it was that little seed. And so that's just how the story has evolved. And this is her daughter, the FBI agent. And they'd have to read the first story in order to understand about my character, the FBI agent. Mm -hmm. So it was a continuation of that first book. And I just felt like, God, there's so much more to this story. God just kind of guided me, showed me some things. And I, I read, did a lot of research. And I was like, whoa, this is good. So I just kind of went with it, you know? Mm -hmm. Judith, when you sit down to write a book like Luke ten nineteen Duty Calls, do you have it outlined? Do you know how the whole thing's going to play out? Or do you leave a little bit of things to be discovered while you're writing? No, I don't. I have kind of like with all of my books, you kind of have a skeleton. Mm -hmm. You got like a beginning, a middle, the end. I didn't really know about the end. So I just knew where God was leading me in this story. And I just kind of followed him. I, I do a lot of research. I read up on, you know, serial killers, all kinds of books. Mm -hmm. I read faith-based books, spiritual books. I mean, that was my fuel mm -hmm. when I would write, you know. It's kind of hard to answer that question because it's like I didn't have like this recipe, you know. Mm -hmm. It just started and I just started doing it and writing it. And then this idea would come up. And next thing you know, it's, you know, 300 pages. So hard. To, it, it, that's really a complicated question to answer <laughs> because I see the world in stories. I'm always thinking about, wow, that's a good story. You know, oh, yeah, that would be great in a book. That's a great character. So I've always been like that. You know, I love to hear stories. I love people's testimonies, where they came from. I, I just I love hearing stories. And you know what? I just love it. And I, there's this author, poet, I don't know if you know him. His name is Gabriel Marquez. They call him Gabo. I've never read his books, but I love a quote that he had said. And it says that life is not the one you lived. It's the one you remember and how you remember it to tell it. And you know what? That's kind of how my life has been, hmm. you know? There's so many stories and stuff, and, you know, Luke 10, 18, there's a lot of me in it, you know? But there's a lot of fiction, there's a lot of scripture, there's a lot of faith. It, it's just a mix, and isn't that what life is? Just mm. a mixture of all of these things, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. And I know that there are a lot of readers out there who are really going to love this book. I encourage my listeners right now to check it out. It's called Luke 10, 19, Duty Calls. It's written by J.A. Segura and is published by Christian Faith Publishing. Of course, you can find this one anywhere like on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Judith, thank you so much for coming on the show and telling me all about your work. I had a nice time chatting with you. Well, I did too. I really enjoyed it. Thank you, Corey. I appreciate it and it's wonderful talking to you. Spiritual Casualties a loving outreach to hurting Christians, and a call to action for the church. That's a book. It's out in stores now, written by Tom Schussler. Tom is sitting here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. We're going to talk all about the book. Tom, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Tom, what can readers find when they open up Spiritual Casualties? Well, 
The book is written to two basic audiences. The first is to hurting Christians. And the second is to people who may want to reach out and help hurting Christians. It makes a case for spiritual warfare and how it can affect Christians and how that can all bring serious problems to our life. Mm. And I love the tone that you set, Tom, straight from the title, A Loving Outreach to Hurting Christians, because I think sometimes the outreach can come across a little abrasive. Well, yes. I think that it's important that people understand that there are problems in life. It can affect Christians as well as anybody else, that we are, in a sense, very often direct targets of the enemy because of our faith. Mm. And I think it's important that people be willing to talk about their hurts and other people be willing to reach out and try to help hurting Christians. Tom, what inspired you to write this? Uh, can you go back and think about when you got the idea to sit down and start writing? Well, during my walk with the Lord, you know, I ran into a lot of, you know, problems along the way. And a lot of times you could say I was a spiritual casualty. And it made me realize that there were a lot of other hurting Christians. And I wanted to use both my experience and biblical truth to reach out to them, to make them realize that it's not a question of their faith. It is not a question that they've done something sinful, that spiritual, casual, uh, spiritual warfare, I should say, is very real. And we are subject to it, and sometimes we all need help. How long did this take you, Tom, from when you sat down, started writing it, clear up until you got it published? About seven years. And I'm sad to say that because a lot of challenges delayed me along the way. I wish I could have gotten it done sooner. Well, the most important thing is that you stuck it out and you finished it. You got it published. So, Tom, can you tell me about that day when you got the first physical copy in? You got to hold your book for the first time? What was that like for you? Well, there's a great deal of satisfaction and, you know, a great deal of relief because it was finally done because it's not just the writing of the book. It is also that you go through the editing process and make corrections and all that. And what are the chances that you'll be writing more? Maybe a follow-up to Spiritual Casualties or something else in the future? I'm considering two books. One of them is a book of short stories that's meant to be light reading for believers. Hmm. But the, all the stories will incorporate Christian values. The other is sort of a book of philosophy that offers food for thought on various topics. Hmm. Tom, what does your writing background look like? Have you done much writing before this, before you started publishing? I have a few papers that were published by the Northeast Decision Sciences Institute, but those were academic papers, and they were, you know, mostly for other academics. Yeah, so something like this was a little bit different. So what did you find the most challenging aspect of things? Was it the writing of it, or was it the publishing of it? It's hard to really nail down any one thing. The one thing that I was most concerned with, and, and I think it took me a bit of extra time, is finding all the possible aspects of spiritual warfare and all the things that may bring doubt into the mind of a Christian if they're hurting. 
Well, I think a lot of people are going to get a lot from this book. A lot of people will be blessed, and I encourage my listeners to go check it out. The title is Spiritual Casualties, A Loving Outreach to Hurting Christians and a Call to Action for the Church. This is written by Tom Schusler. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can buy this one anywhere, like on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes, and also down the street at your local bookshop. Well, Tom, thank you again for coming on the show and telling me about your work. I had a good time chatting with you tonight. Thank you very much for having me. Collateral Damage. It's the book. It's out in stores right now, written by Sonny Alishir Kaiser. Sonny's mother, Jody, is here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. We're going to chat about this book. Jody, thank you for being here. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you here. Jody. can you tell me about Collateral Damage? Yes. Collateral Damage was written by our daughter, Sunny, and she wrote the book before she herself was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. Hmm. And in the book, a character has ovarian cancer. And we just know that Sunny, because of all of her research, knew everything that was going to happen to her when she herself was diagnosed. So it's a, a heart-wrenching book. But yet at the same time, it's a book about a man. He's learning to follow God through the death of his wife to ovarian cancer and the reconciliation of his son, who's been estranged for 15 years, who comes back to town but is accused of murder. And so it's just, it's got a little bit of everything in there. Sonny was a very gifted and talented writer, had such a creative imagination. And the primary reason we opted to have it published at this time was for her children. Mm. Her son, Robbie, is now 20, almost 21, is in the military. And daughter, Justine, is a 17-year-old, almost 18, will be graduating here in a couple months. And actually, she'll be coming to live with us after her graduation. But they're able to see the character, the imagination, and the faith of their mother that they never got to experience. Sonny's been gone for 11 years, 11 and a half years, and Robbie was nine when his mom died, and Justine was six. Wow. So again, they just never really got to experience a healthy mom, but they got, they're got they now seeing her creativity. Jody, when you think about the kinds of readers who would really be into this book, who would that be? I think it's just people who have family differences. Like I said, there was an estrangement with their oldest child in the book. There's reconciliation that goes on at the end of the book. But, I mean, all families have issues. All families have illnesses. We never expected to see our daughter contract and battle cancer and then lose that battle. You know, we just thought she was a good fighter and could win the battle. There's all kinds of audiences that can see it, but they can also see the way that God works in their lives. When it came to publishing this book, how complete was it when Sunny left it? Was the writing done, or how much did you have to do? Okay, she had it complete. I had read it as she wrote it. So we're talking about probably 2004, 2003, as she was writing it. She was just never able to get it published at that time. So I had read it, and then last fall, Justine, in her junior year of high school, had a family history project. And so she started asking a lot of questions about family. Mm -hmm. And I figured that, that that was kind of what prompted us to go ahead and submit it. And like I said, I've, I've read it many times. Robbie asked me if I had read the book, and I said, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've read it countless number of times, you know. Mm -hmm. And I did a lot of the editing, and then Christian Faith did the final editing of it. 
What did you find to be the most challenging aspect of taking Sonny's work and publishing it? What would other readers think of it? I know as a family, we all loved it. And it's the type of reading that I do. I like something that's got a little bit of drama or mystery to it. And it definitely has that in it, but also that Christian message. But what was challenging was, would it be accepted? Mm. Would it be accepted? And I I didn't even tell her kids that I had submitted it until after it was accepted. (laughs) Jody, the day that the first physical copy came in of Collateral Damage and you got it out of the mailbox, got to hold this book for the first time. Tell me about that moment. Justine, she lives in Montana. We live in Oregon. She happened to be down here visiting during the time that the books arrived. And so she was getting ready. We were ready to take her to the airport. And I was able to actually hand her a copy. And the look on her face, the look on her face as she held that and held it to her chest. I did the same thing. I was just overwhelmed by being able to actually hold the book, but to see it in her kids. And then we had to mail copies to everybody else. (laughs) (laughs) It's called Collateral Damage. It's written by Sonny Alishir Kaiser and is published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere, of course, like on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and iTunes, also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Thank you again, Jody, for coming on the show and telling me about Sonny and about this book. I had a nice time talking with you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Right now, here at the Reader House Author Roundtable, I'm sitting right next to author Stacy Price, Ph.D. Stacy, thanks for being here with me tonight. Thanks for having me, Corey. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic, and I imagine you are, too. You got a new book out. It's called Author Ella, A Fairy Tale for Today. So, Stacy, what's that book all about? Thank you. Well, the book is about a little girl who wants to grow up to be an author, hence the author Ella. So she had dreams and aspirations of being a writer someday. And she follows through with that and she becomes an adult and meets a prince. And of course, everyone thinks of the fairy tale of a prince and a girl meeting a a prince charming and Mm -hmm. being taken away to a castle and having a fairy tale. But in this case, she has a decision to make and she really wants to follow her own dreams of having a career as a writer. So the little girl decides to make a decision as an adult to follow her dreams And sometimes things don't always turn out like they plan, and sometimes you have to follow your own heart. Hmm. Stacey, what types of readers were you writing this for? This is about fourth to fifth grade readers. It's a little bit longer than a beginning reader book. Hmm. But at the same time, it it does have words that will be more difficult for children between kindergarten and second grade. So it's for, you know, the fourth to, to fifth grade readers. And It's a book that I just felt was really important. I dedicated it to my three daughters about the importance of following your own dreams and not trying to please everyone else. And at the same time, being happy with who you are first. So there's a moral to the story and and things can still turn out to be a fairy tale, even though you're following your own heart. And it does have a happy ending. So basically what I try to deliver as a message is we can achieve our dreams and we should go for our dreams and do it for ourselves first and not try to be someone we're not for somebody else. And Stacy, I imagine that when you were thinking about this story and coming up with a plot that you had a little bit of your own story in there, and that's where a lot of this came from. I did, and I, I think it's, for, it's important for young children today to understand that they need to follow their dreams 
regardless of what they feel is a risk, because the reward is so great to do something for yourself, and all you can do is try. Mm. So the beautiful thing about it is, and I don't want to give the end away, but the important part of the story is that you can really have it all. If you're doing something for yourself, you might just have that Prince Charming anyway, just in a different way. Mm. The concept of being taken away and, and having a fairy godmother, it's a modern twist to that type of story, but it's following your own heart and your own pursuits and your own career. Mm, I love it. Yeah, and I really like the concept of rhyme. I think it helps young children when they're formulating words and concepts to learn to read better. I know when I was younger, I loved poetry. And as I got older, Maya Angelou and Proestock and all the literary artists at that time, and, and poetry was such a big part of my life. I really enjoyed it, and that's how I really learned to read well was through rhyme. So the book is a rhyming book for that reason. Like I said, it's a little bit longer than a traditional first reader's book, although I have written first reader books. But in this case, it's a little bit harder. But the point of it is, is that I try to have emotional constructs and just a way to basically expand that emotional intelligence in young readers, that it's more than, you know, that, you know, life is about kindness and respect and pursuing your dreams and having those, I guess, those poetic philosophers that were such an influence to me growing up, but having that as you're learning to read, that you can have some of these deep feelings and emotions as a child. And I want people to be able to be able to get the reward of reading those types of stories and feeling good about it. Stacy, if a brand new author came up to you and said, I'm going to start writing, I want to write a book, what advice would you give to them? I would say go back to what they love the most, because if you're searching for something to write about, that's going to give you the stumbling block and keep you from pursuing that finished transcript. What you want to do is basically start with what you love, because if you don't, not doing it will bother you so much more than yeah. trying to take the chance and the risk to do it. Absolutely. Great advice, Stacy. I think a lot of readers out there are going to be really into this book. I encourage everyone listening to give it a shot. It's titled Author Ella, A Fairy Tale for Today. It's written by Stacy Price, Ph.D. It's published by Fulton Books. Of course, you can get it anywhere, like on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes, Google Play, and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Stacy, thanks again for joining me and telling me all about Author Ella. I really enjoyed our time tonight. Thanks, Corey. I appreciate it. Returning to the Reader House Author Roundtable is author C.L. Black, Jr. C.L., thanks for joining me here again. Oh, I'm just happy you could have me. Trust me. <laughs> I'm really happy that you could make it back. You have another book out. It's called Preservation of Sanity. Congratulations. It's such a big deal to write and publish a book. So, C.L., what's Preservation of Sanity all about? It's basically a book that revolves around keeping yourself where you need to be pretty much most of the time, which is like having your sanity as one of your best friends, basically. And what sparked you to write this? I know I saw the title of this, Preservation of Sanity, and I'm like, yeah, at times I really feel like I need this book. So what gave you the idea for this one? The world around me. Mm. <laughs> Everywhere I go, it just seems like I look at the glass half full, but seems like the world's gone mad. <laughs> mm. So I felt compelled to do something that I thought would be helpful for anyone out there, whether you're going through adverse conditions, circumstances out of your control. To preserve, you know, your sanity is probably the most important thing you can do because obviously that equates to your happiness. 
About how long did it take you to write this one and publish this one? Was it quicker than the first time around? Actually, this is my third book now. So, like, after, I think the last time we did Reader's House, it was, like, having my fundamental rules for Kindergarten 101. Mm -hmm. And then my next 24 came out almost simultaneously. Hmm. And this is the third book, Preservation of Sanity. But all of them usually take about three to four months to actually write the short read for that reason. Because, you know, anytime you're talking about serious stuff like (laughs) self-accountability, You lose people. So, you know, an hour and a half read or so is about probably perfect for that. And and it's more along the lines of a reference tool also. It's not like a read that you would just, you know, all of a sudden, you, oh, I got it. You know, it's kind of mm. like something that you could refer to at certain times. And, you know, it's just different ways to look at attacking the things that can actually hinder your happiness. You know, like, how can I maintain a certain level of sanity that was just going to equate to my quality of life? Hmm. Well, that's fantastic. You got three books out now. Are you thinking about a fourth or a fifth or more than that? Yeah, actually, my fourth book is called Ascendancy. And that's actually, it's actually a cover design right now. And my Hmm. fifth one is called Welcome Adversity. It's still in the editing process. It's getting ready to go to page design. So Hmm. yeah, I've been a busy man, Corey. (laughs) Yeah, sure sounds like it. You know, you mentioned cover design, and that's something a lot of new authors don't think about right away. They think, I have to write the words. I got to get the words on the page. But you also have to figure out what the book's going to look like. How important is that cover design to you? How much thought do you put into that? That's a very good question. And I think, you know, for anyone out there that's thinking about getting into writing, you know, you never get a second chance to make a first impression, right? Mm. Is that what they say? Absolutely. (laughs) So if you're walking or you're looking online, whatever If you see a book and it's not really appealing from a cover standpoint, you might not ever even get into the content. So I I think it's extremely important. The more that I've gotten involved with the process, the more I've paid attention to detail with that. And every cover that I've done has gotten better. And, And Fulton, my publisher, they do a great job with that. And I think my best advice is if you're not comfortable with it, keep coming up with ideas until you get something that really kind of hits home. Like if you were walking down the aisle, if you were looking online to see your book, you know, what kind of impression would it make on you? Well, CL, after publishing a few books here, does that moment when you get that physical copy in for the first time, does that ever get old for you? No, getting that tangible book is always nice, but it's knowing that it's potentially going to help someone is really where where I get the gratification. Well, it is a crazy world, and I think a lot of us are going to find that we'll benefit from this book. It's called Preservation of Sanity. It's written by C.L. Black Jr. It's published by Fulton Books, and you can get it everywhere. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, C.L., it's been great having you back on the show. I hope we get to do it again a third time. Definitely, Corey. Enjoy the rest of your day. Here at the Reader House Author Roundtable, right now I am joined by author Maria Garcia. Maria, thank you for joining me tonight. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And it's really exciting. You have a book out in stores right now titled Silly Women Anonymous. Maria, can you tell me about the book? Well, Silly Women Anonymous is reflective of really the perfect church. And it's a fictitious organization in the book. And it's where silly women go for healing from the silly syndrome. (laughs) 
So <laughs> these women have been, done some foolish things in their relationship with men. And, you know, they find themselves at Philly Women Anonymous, this organization, and they are mentored using scriptures to bring them to a point of healing. Hmm. I understand you went to the book of Second Timothy to draw your inspiration for this. Yes, Second Timothy chapter 3, first seven verses. And it really talks about in the last days, there will be men who would be self-lovers, lovers of themselves, and they would creep into silly women's houses and leaving them laden with lust. And the author of that book in the Bible, he says, from such men turn away. So I was inspired to write this book to enlighten women who have done silly things in their lives in relationships with men and enlighten them so that they can basically identify with the actions of these women and their emotions and help them apply scriptures to their own personal situation. Hmm. So it's a kind of self-help book in storytelling form. Maria, would this be a book that unbelievers would also get something from? Well, I believe that it goes right across the board, whether you are old or young or Christian, non-Christian, you know, Jew, Gentile, Muslim, it doesn't matter. I think there's one thing in common that women have is we go through a lot in relationships with men. Mm. And when we are in love, we sometimes do silly things. And I think that is something that everybody, every woman, you know, we have in common. So I believe that the stories are so relatable mm. that people would go for it. And, you know, you don't really even have to believe in the Bible to want to read it because somebody called me just a couple minutes ago and said to me, the book is actually a page turner. You can't mm. put it down. Oh, wow. So how long of a process was this for you, Maria, to write the book and then put it through that publishing process? <laughs> well, it took actually 12 years mm. not to write the book, but to publish it. I wrote the book in about a couple of months. But I held on to it until I felt the moment was right to release it. So the time is now. This is my moment. And I'm going for it all the way. I'm glad you did. I can only imagine what you were feeling the moment that you got that first copy in and you got to hold this book in your hands for the first time. What was that like, Maria? And it was like, finally, my life is coming full circle. Mm. That's how I felt. I felt this book had a lot to do with my destiny, and it's just the beginning of a new chapter in my life. So it was really heartfelt, heartfelt emotion. And have you given thought to writing another and publishing more? Well, actually, the sequel to Silly Woman Anonymous is already written. Oh, wow. And it's already in the publisher's hands, and I believe sometime maybe before the year ends or early next year, it will be on the bookshelf. And just to give you a little teaser, it is the same stories that are in Philly Woman Anonymous, but told from the men's perspective. Interesting. So my intention is to get men and women together and start talking about these issues so that they can realize that men and women think differently and their emotions a little bit different from each other. I know a lot of readers are really going to love this book, and I encourage my listeners out there to go out and check this book out. It's titled Silly Women Anonymous. It's written by Maria Garcia, 
It's published by Newman Springs Publishing. You can find this one everywhere, like Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and down the street at your local bookshop. Maria, thank you again for joining me tonight, telling me about Silly Women Anonymous. I hope we get to talk again sometime. Okay, thank you. Thank you for having me. Joining me right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author J. Kenneth Berger. Ken, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. I'm glad to be here. Glad for the opportunity to talk about the book. Well, I have to congratulate you. There's a new book out in stores that you just put out. It's titled Blessings, a narrative on the lives of Marlene Keen Porter, a truly remarkable woman, and Joseph Kenneth Ken Berger, the Miracle Man. So, Ken, tell me about this book. Okay. The cover of Blessings suggests that it's a biography about Marlene Porter and Ken Berger. That's true in that Blessings describes their physical and spiritual lives. However, the true theme of the book is a testimony about our Heavenly Father's grace, power, and love bestowed upon His children, and how He wants an intimate and personal relationship with each of us. The biographical method of illustrating this presents the reader with examples of God choosing and anointing individuals to serve Him by performing His works in current times. Marlene and I spent our lives together, devoted to each other, and to responding to the call of the Holy Spirit. This book chronicles the numerous and miraculous blessings bestowed upon them during our lifetime. Part one of the book, Why Me, Lord?, outlines the Lord's involvement in my life before I was aware of who He really was and that He had a purpose for my life. Part two, Who We Are, is the biographical data on Marlene's and my physical lives, accomplishments, and our service to community and the people around us. Part three, The Answer, describes our spirituality and personal relationship with a loving spiritual father, our Abba Father. It also discusses our beliefs and teachings that most will find to be the antithesis of their mainline Christian upbringing. My purpose is not to ask the reader to change their beliefs, only that they care enough to do their own research and form their own conclusions as led by their God. Hmm. Ken, what gave you the idea to sit down and write this? What was your inspiration? I had no intention of writing a book. My plan was to just merely chronicle the life of, again, a remarkable woman for our family and friends to know who she really truly was. Ken, how long did this take? I could imagine this might have taken you quite a while to put together. Not really. The actual writing time was probably three to four weeks, but that didn't include hours and hours of research. But then the process of editing and the production took about seven months. And have you ever done anything like this before? Have you ever ventured in the realm of writing books and being published? No, I had no interest in writing a book at all. I merely wanted to, as I say, chronicle about Marlene. I had only in providing information about Marlene. Mm. You know, from there it evolved to include the miraculous life that I was blessed to live. And then with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, it morphed into the book Blessings. The writing is mine, and my name's on the cover. But this is not my book. It's the Lord's book. He inspired it. As I have to say, I had no intention of ever writing anything. Hmm. Well, being that you've done this for the first time ever, Ken, I imagine you learned an awful lot of things along the way of doing this. So do you have any advice that you could offer to other authors out there who are just starting out? I would say don't let the inexperience and discomfort inhibit your desire to share your thoughts with others. You know, be hmm. patient and be somewhat humble and take your creation from manuscript to finished product. I mean, it's a process that takes patience. And as I said, humility. I mean, you need to be able to just take advice from your publishing partner or others around you and, uh, you know, use it in what you're doing. 
Well, there's nothing like seeing that finished product after all that time and energy you put into writing this and publishing it, Ken. What was that moment like for you when you got to finally hold this book in your hands? You got the first physical copy in. I guess I was just filled with joy and excitement mm. that I had created this tribute to Marlene and to God through this writing experience. I mean, it was, as I say, it was just a joy to me to realize, hey, you were called to do something and you accomplished it, and now you got a finished product that you can share with others. Well, I think a lot of readers will be blessed when they find out about the lives of these truly extraordinary individuals. I certainly hope so. <laughs> it's titled Blessings, a narrative on the lives of Marlene Keen Porter, a truly remarkable woman, and Joseph Kenneth Ken Berger, the Miracle Man. I just wanted to go ahead and add something. I've set up a foundation in the name of Marlene K. Porter, hmm. and all the proceeds from the royalties will be going into that foundation to go to the charities that Marlene and I supported when she was around. Oh, how wonderful. This is written by J. Kenneth Berger, published by Covenant Books, and you can find it everywhere, like on Amazon and at Barnes & Noble, on iTunes, and also at traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Ken, I really appreciate you coming on the show with me here tonight and telling me all about this book. I hope we get to talk again soon. I appreciate the, the chance to, to share with you, and I'd look forward to it. The book I have now aims to touch your heart and mind to where it begins doing good work within you. It's called Entering into the Secrets of God. It's written by Takesha Winston, and Takesha is sitting down with me here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. We're going to talk all about the book. Takesha, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. Takesha, can you tell me what readers will expect when they open up Entering into the Secrets of God? Well, first of all, the book is about how being a single mom and how to keep your focus on God through all of your hardships and how to not take focus off the things that he has for you. Because in life, sometimes things get hard. And I wrote this book from my personal experience. Sometimes you may get off key and things might come up, but never lose focus in what God has for you. Never lose focus in him. And it's always important to keep in mind that, okay, no matter what I go through, no matter how I'm feeling, that I must keep my head on straight and I must stay focused on the things that I have to do, not only for me, but for my children, because your children can be part of your destiny in the things that God has for you. And he can use your children to bring you into the destiny and to teach you certain things in life. Takesha, how long did this whole thing take for you from when you first started writing it up until you got it published? It took me almost about a year because I kept starting and then I stopped. What really persuaded me to continue to write this book is when I was going through this thing with my, you know, the people in my apartment. They were coming up against me and they were trying to evict me. And I couldn't figure out, Lord, why are these people coming up against me? What have I done? But through that process, he has taught me how to stand firm and how to, when you're up under pressure, how not to fold, not to give up on him. Because even when people come up against you, he will always be there. No matter what they're doing, you should trust him because in the end of it all, he has the last say so. And that's how I began to continue to pursue my book. I'm like, okay. And he began to speak to me. So I'm like, well, there's others out there that can be dealing with the things that I'm dealing with, but don't have the encouragement, don't have the faith to continue to push forward. And this book, it explains and it tells you all of those things, how to keep pushing forward, even though you might want to stop or you might want to give up, just continue to, you know, push forward. So it took me about a year, you know, almost a year to write the book because I kept starting and stopping. Mm -hmm. 
then when that day finally came for you, Takesha, that first copy came in the mail. You got to hold this book you've been working on all that time. Tell me about that moment. What was that like? Oh, my God. It was like a breath of fresh air because, <laughs> really, I was like, Lord, I really didn't expect it to go that far. Because, you know, when God gives you something, you be like, okay, you brush it off. You really don't look too deep off into it because it's not really something that you're like, okay, well, it's just a book. Okay, yeah. But I think it, like, it affects me more because I really pursued and pushed forward to it. And when I began to look and read, I'm like, Lord, not only have you done this for me, like, it can help others, too. Like, it's written for others to encourage others. And I was really excited. I was happy. I really wanted to cry. I really did cry because I'm like, wow, my message and my experience, other people can get a hold to this book and they can realize, hey, you know, I do matter. Hey, I can get over this hurdle. Hey, I can be who God called me to be. Like, do not let the enemy take you away from what God have you. And that's how I feel with this book because so many obstacles came up against me. I was like, I don't think I'm worthy enough to even write a book. And when I held it in my hand and it first came, I was like, this is what God was trying to tell me the whole time. This is what I have for you. This is one of the many things I have for you. And I just felt like I accomplished one of the many things in life. You know, it was such a blessing. And I was so happy to hold my book in my hand. Mm. And I know a lot of readers will be blessed by this book. It's called Entering into the Secrets of God. It's written by Takesha Winston. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing. And you can pick it up everywhere, like Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and down the street at your local bookstore. But Takesha, thank you again for coming on the show and telling me about your work. I had a really nice time chatting with you tonight. Thank you so much. I'm very glad you had me on today. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first.